An Investor's Perspective, Part B. Welcome to the second podcast of a six-part series on investing. In the first installment, we covered six different perspectives I have learned as I've grown my investment portfolio over the years. If you haven't listened to this yet, I suggest you start here. By way of recap, the first five perspectives discussed in the podcast are, number one, diversification is critical. Number two, invest in what you know and understand. Number three, understand the risk-reward ratio. Number four, do a stress test. Number five, avoid black box investments, even though the sponsor has a good track record. And number six, don't be impressed with who else is investing. In this second part, we will be looking at another five key viewpoints to have when investing. Number seven, skin in the game. It's important to determine if the sponsor of the investment has put real money into the deal. Sweat equity is not enough. It must be real cash they earned elsewhere, paid tax on, and is significant to them. It doesn't need to be a large amount. We typically look for at least 5% of the total investment from the sponsor. If they don't have at least 5% of their own money in the deal, then that becomes a concern for us. 5% is a good figure, as it's usually more money than they stand to make in fees from the deal. If they put in 10% or anything above that, it is very good. We look close at any cash coming to the sponsor out of the deal structure by way of fees. From that, we can identify the net cash invested by them. If they're only putting in what they're making off the deal, it's not enough. They need to put their money where their mouth is. Number eight, avoid when possible personally signing on any debt. I would encourage you to work hard to reach a point where you don't sign personally on any debt, if debt is involved. When one initially starts a business, they often have to personally guarantee a loan. As the business grows, you usually can get to the point where you don't have to personally guarantee the loan any further. This could be dependent on how much equity you have in a deal, your experience in the business, or even your relationship with your bank. Factors may differ, but the goal is to remain sensitive to how much you personally guarantee and develop the mindset over time to have less and less exposure to a personal guarantee. It's impossible to start debt-free, but it's possible to move there over time. I've seen personal guarantees come back to bite people. When I started my business, I had to personally guarantee my first line of credit as a mortgage banker, and I continued to do this up to several million dollars. After five years, I met with my banker and told them I wanted to get out of personal guaranteeing. Based on my prior performance and retained earnings, the business could stand on its own, and I was no longer required to sign personally. The business line of credit continued to grow exponentially. Bottom line, don't ever sign personally for any loan where you don't have complete control over the investment. On to lesson number nine. Past success does not ensure future success. Indeed, success does breed success. Do take into consideration prior successes of the sponsor in previous similar ventures. Consider, is there anything about their past experience and structure of the deal that mitigates risk and increases the likelihood of success? A key point to note, however, previous success as a sponsor doesn't automatically guarantee future success. Factors are different, the time is different, markets change, the variables are too many. Don't overweigh your decision based on the past. Lesson number 10 deals with liquidity and cash flow. I've seen investors get very frustrated because they didn't understand the liquidity of the deal. This is not always self-explanatory, so ensure the sponsor explains this properly. There are some investments where you can get out early, 
while there are others you may need to take a discount to do so. It's important to understand liquidity in the investment. Closely related to this is knowing the cash flow and understanding if the investment will generate cash flow. It is important to manage cash flow closely to ensure you have adequate cash for all needs. Managing anticipated cash inflows and outflows can be very complicated. Therefore, I've put together an Excel model that helps track all sources and uses of funds. Please see the handout titled Menti, Cash Flow and Forecast, and refer to it as we continue. There are two sheets included in the Menti Cash Flow and Forecast handout, one titled Cash Flow, which shows a 12-month historical perspective, and the other titled Forecast, which gives a 12-month forecast. In the top section of both sheets, we cover all inflows. You will see separate line items for different sources of funds and a total cash line. For outflows, also on both sheets, you will see a section for expenses, giving, extraordinary expenses, investments, etc. You will also see a line that shows you your current net cash position for last month, which is your beginning cash portion for this month. It's important in the forecast that every time you make a commitment to fund something in the future, it is included in the model. Even if you have to guess the amount and month in which funds will be used. One of your objectives in the forecast is to look for any month in which you do not have sufficient funds to cover all outflows. Based on the nature of your business or investments, your cash flow analysis will likely look different. However, I encourage you to start with one that meets your needs. Your goal is to not run out of cash and be prepared for when the next home run investment opportunity presents itself. Another source of cash can be any liquid investments you maintain, which you could cash in if you need money quickly. Consider also adding a line to your cash flow analysis that shows liquid assets that could be available. You will also see on the analysis I track any borrowings I have against my line of credit or margin accounts. Any short-term obligations you have could be considered as a draw against existing cash or, at a minimum, the repayment should be included in your 12-month forecast. Remember, in almost all situations, cash is king. As you develop your investment portfolio, begin to factor in the time and focus to maintain a reasonable cash flow for both short-term and long-term goals. The liquidity of your portfolio can change as the market and opportunities also change. Therefore, having enough liquidity available to meet your commitments is important to the health of your portfolio. I hope you find these two handouts useful. Keep making adjustments to your own cash flow and forecast until they meet your goals. If you have any questions about these two handouts, please do email me at paul at paulslifelessons.com. Before we move on to the final key perspective, I would like to talk briefly on managing cash flow requirements. The time frame of all the investments in your asset allocation must fit together. Liquid assets can always be turned to cash within days. However, the illiquid assets in your portfolio must also be planned out to ensure you have cash to make capital commitments, allowance for new investments, provide for donation commitments, and provide for additional investments or personal overhead spending. An overarching cash flow is therefore needed and should be planned for. When managing your cash flow, consider the following. Plan to have a clear indication on cash commitments outstanding and when they may be due. Keep track of your annual cash-on-cash -cash receipts for each investment. Don't overcommit capital when there are other near-term requirements for its use. An important note, determine upfront the type of reporting and frequency you will receive from the sponsor. Ensure the information to be provided is concise, accurate, valuable, and submitted on a regular basis. 
The final perspective number 11 is waterfall and preferred return. When it comes to direct investments, typically you will find that profits are shared between the sponsor of the investment and the investors. The formula for sharing profits is referred to as the waterfall. Depending on how attractive the investment is and its risk-reward ratio, these will both have an impact on where the waterfall starts. An investment that has an average upside might start where the investor receives 80% of the profit and the sponsor receives 20%. For opportunities where there's more of a value-add component and greater returns, the sharing might start at 70% to the investor and 30% to the sponsor, or even 60-40. I've only done a few investments where it's been a 50-50 sharing. This was only because the return was significant and the sponsor was uniquely adding value to the opportunity. Most investments will have a preferred return where 100% of the return will first go to the investor. Today, preferred returns are typically within the 7-8% to range for a good investment. After the preferred return is funded, then profits are shared in accordance with the waterfall. Once in a while, you might see a sponsor requesting that they catch up on the preferred return themselves, but this is not very common. Typically, the waterfall improves for the sponsor by 5-10% to after the overall investment achieves a set hurdle rate, which can range between 12-18%. to Thus, if the waterfall started at 70% to the investor and 30% to the sponsor, any return greater than the 18% would be shared on a 60-40 basis. In summary, the five key perspectives covered today are Number 7. Ensure the sponsor has skin in the game. Number eight, avoid when possible personally signing on any debt. Number nine, past success does not ensure future success. Number 10, understand the liquidity and cash flow of the investment. And number 11, look at the waterfall and preferred return. Here's a few action points that you can take away from our podcast today. In investing, I always believe it's better to walk before you run. Don't be satisfied with what is presented on the surface. Look deeper. Prove it out. Model each opportunity as it presents itself and see the return. It's better to miss an opportunity and not put money in, rather than rush and end up possibly losing it all. These are my 11 crucial areas of focus when considering an investment. This list is by no means exhaustive, but can be used as a guide when faced with an opportunity. I have also attached a handout titled Comprehensive List of Investment Learnings, where I share all my investment learnings, including others not covered in this podcast. Please do take time to review these additional learnings or keep listening and it will be played at the end of this podcast. As you grow through experience, you will develop a richer perspective and define your own points of focus. Please share with me any questions or additional pointers you look for when making an investment in the comments section. I'd love to hear from you. Your comments help others learn too. Thanks for listening. One of our values is good information is shared with a friend. Please take the time to think of your friends, men or women, who might benefit from this blog. You can introduce the blog to them by sharing the post using the various sharing links or by sharing the podcast by clicking the share link on the top left corner of the audio link. As you begin to follow my blog and pursue opportunity for growth, it is helpful to do an assessment on various topics of life. If you haven't already, I encourage you to click on the link and take the current life conditions assessment. I believe it would be helpful to take this assessment annually and revisit how you are growing in life. Comprehensive List of Investment Learnings Welcome to this handout titled, Comprehensive List of Investment Learnings. 
When I began my journey of investing, I didn't know the different paths I would go on and insights I would gather along the way. Investing is a topic I am passionate about, and I've come to appreciate all the lessons, some expensive, I have learned. I would like to share with you my list of learnings. This list is by no means exhaustive, but do use it as a guide as you follow your own investment journey and a template to build on and add your own learnings. Number one, diversification is critical. The reality is, no matter how smart you are, you cannot always pick winners. There's always more risk than we can see. Diversification, therefore, is a smart way to protect your investments. Number two, invest in what you know and understand. Only invest in something that you fully understand the ins and outs and how the money is made. Avoid black box investments, even though the sponsor has a good track record. There can be no unclarity in investing. You need to see and understand everything. No matter how attractive the opportunity seems, regardless of the sponsor's track record, that is not enough to base your decision on. Don't pursue any investments where you do not completely understand how the money is made. Number three, risk management. When making an initial investment, believe it represents a unique opportunity. If it does not pan out and declines, resist the opportunity to leverage down. Rely on your own instincts more than the opinion and recommendation of the promoter, even if you trust and have confidence in the promoter. Number four, understand the risk-reward ratio. When considering an investment, you need to understand the risk to truly understand how attractive the reward is. We often get interested in an investment that shows a very attractive return. However, with higher returns comes higher risks. I find it important to compare the return to the amount of risk. One of the best investments I ever made only generated an 8% return. However, it had very little to almost no risk. In my opinion, it was better than a typical investment that might generate a 20% return. Thus, remember, it's not all about maximizing return. Number five, prior success of the sponsor in similar ventures should definitely be taken into consideration. However, it does not automatically guarantee future success. Number six, do a stress test. Before committing to an investment, do a stress test. Stress tests identify and highlight the areas where your investment could potentially go wrong, such as a longer hold period, higher exit cap rate, increased operating expenses, etc. Request that some of the assumptions be changed, stressed, and see how much of an impact it has on the overall return. Number seven, do a character assessment. Invest with people that you think have high integrity, good character, and solid values on how they're managing their life and their investments. Character assessment has proven to be very valuable for us. Number eight, develop an asset return report. It's important to track and stay on top of your investments, but it takes a little bit of work. Even if you have one investment, set up your systems right. As you make new investments, log in the information and then track it over time. Review your investments at least twice a year. Number nine, consider economic cycles. Economic cycles change over time. Take inflation and interest rates as an example. Make certain each new investment evaluation considers if critical variables may have altered and should be included with the new investment. Number 10. Don't be impressed by who else is investing. Don't let your decision to invest be swayed based on who else is investing. Be sure to do your own due diligence before investing in a deal. Number 11. Make sure the sponsor of the deal has skin in the game and not just fees. It's important to determine if the sponsor of the investment has put real money into the deal, 
Sweat equity is not enough. Number 12. Don't sign personally on any debt. Don't personally sign for any loan where you don't have complete control over the investment. Number 13. Public investments. Bond funds have been evaluated and recommended as the optimal fixed income investment based on historic performance against respective benchmarks. Number 14. Private investments. Mergers and acquisitions require a lot of work, time, and manpower in order to be executed efficiently and successfully. Make sure senior management is deep enough to carry out the business plan. Number 15. Consider waterfall and preferred return. Depending on how attractive the investment is and its risk-reward ratio, they will both have an impact on the waterfall distribution and preferred return. Number 16. Have a strategy to manage problems. Plan before going into an investment how to best mitigate and manage any problems that may arise. Number 17. Do a site inspection. If investing over a certain dollar amount, personally plan to visit the business offices, meet the team, audit what they're doing, and see the investment firsthand. Number 18. Follow my 5% rule. Do not invest more than 5% of your portfolio in any one asset. There is no guarantee it is going to go the way you think. Stay diversified. Number 19. Use benchmarks. Benchmarks are very valuable. Come up with a benchmark for an investment so you can compare how one investment is doing relative to the market of other investments in that asset class. Number 20. Choose the best managers. Do your due diligence to pick the best experts to manage your investments. They must have demonstrated success in the past and collectively possess all the skills to successfully manage a diversified portfolio. Once selected, let them decide the asset allocation, the investments to invest in, and do not micromanage them. Hold them accountable for the job they do. Look at your manager's performance quarterly and compare them to other managers and benchmarks when available. Number 21. Investing in funds. Investing in funds offers some benefits, such as diversification. You can invest in larger transactions than if you were doing it yourself. But funds have drawbacks as well. Number 22. Tax. Don't let the income tax benefits drive the deal. Sometimes you can pay too much attention to the tax component of the investment. The investment should always stand on its own. The tax benefit should be a complement. But sometimes deals are so advantageous from a tax standpoint, not enough emphasis is put on the economics of the transaction. Number 23. Walk before you run. When perusing a new investment, especially with a new sponsor or in a new asset class that you have not developed expertise in yet, it's better to walk before you run. In other words, invest a smaller amount in your first or second investment and learn from the experience before you increase the amount you're investing. Always prove things out as you go. Number 24. Income tax and real estate investing. Real estate is generally complicated from a tax standpoint and advantageous because you get depreciation that's built in and shelters a good portion of your income stream and tax. So pay attention to the tax component. Don't let it drive it, but know it. And don't just look at an attractive return. Our preference with real estate deals is to invest in individual deals that can be underwritten, as opposed to funds which represent an open investment for the sponsor to determine what pool of options will be invested. Unlike many other investments, real estate investments typically come with a built-in tax shelter provided by the ability to depreciate the asset. Even though the asset rarely goes down in value, 
Depreciation is allowed by IRS, which often will shelter the income generated by the investments, thus deferring the tax down the road to the time the investment is sold. In addition, the income that is deferred is taxed at the lower capital gains rates than the higher ordinary income rates. Also, it is not uncommon to find a real estate investment where the depreciation not only shelters income from the investment, but is large enough to shelter other income as well. Number 25. Understand liquidity and cash flow. Be sure to understand how liquid the investment is. If it's not self-explanatory, take the time and find out from the sponsor. It's also important to be clear on the cash flow before making an investment. Number 26. Private investments. We effectively addressed private equity and venture capital investments by investing in funds, which allows for diversification, access to successful managers, and minimizes time spent monitoring investments. Individual private equity deals might be pursued with sufficient due diligence to confirm the risk of making the investment. Number 27. Invest with a black swan in mind. In the investment world, a black swan is something that doesn't happen very often. It usually comes in from left field and there's no way to accurately predict it. Examples include national disasters, pandemics, war, and terrorism. A black swan is something you cannot underwrite, and it causes a market drop that you would not anticipate. Investing with this mindset will help keep you diversified. Number 28. Investing with family and friends. I don't recommend investments to friends. If you bring an investment to friends and it does well, everything is just okay. If the investment doesn't go well, it can potentially damage the friendship. Recognize when you invest with friends, you're not only risking your money, but you're also risking the friendship. Number 29. Grow your competency. As you continue to grow your investment portfolio, aim to grow your expertise and competency in an asset class or industry, as it will improve your ability to identify and negotiate better on investments. Our competency is residential and commercial real estate. We know how to source exceptional sponsors and how to evaluate new deals for investment decisions. Number 30. Energy Funds Investing in energy funds allows you to diversify your portfolio and reduce your risk. However, energy funds have not been good return vehicles. ESG and liberal government policies toward fossil fuel investments have hurt long-term expected returns. We have covered a lot. For future reference, you are welcome to download a copy of this in the handout section titled Comprehensive List of Investment Learnings. It's my sincere hope that this list adds great value to you and helps you grow as an investor. Thanks for listening.